This is Jones Financial Talk with Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Nick provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Jones Financial Talk with your host, Nick Jones. Good morning, listeners, and welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. My name is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Listeners, if you'd like more information about what you hear during our show today, please feel free to give us a call at 541-773-9567 or visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com. And as always, on our website, click on the radio page to check out our past shows and to subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, listeners, for millions of people, life insurance is a tool that will allow family members to pay bills, go to college, or even support a family business if the insured person passes away. Ultimately, the thinking is, if you're the beneficiary of a life insurance policy, you have some degree of protection for your financial future. So on today's show, we're going to explore life insurance in more detail with my excellent co-host, Tony Shore. Tony, how are you doing today, my friend? Uh, I am great. I am great. You know, despite the fact that I had to rake and bag leaves last weekend, uh, I'm doing pretty good. It's that not, time of the season, isn't it? Not a big fan. I love this time of year. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the fall, but not the leaf racking. But I, I guess you can't have one without the other. You're going to be bagging some leaves in the fall. That's right. So, you get to enjoy those colors for a while so that, uh, you know, then you get to pick them all up, right? <laughs> exactly. So how have you been? Things are good. Yeah. Uh, the Rogue Valley is beautiful this time of the year. We're starting to get uh, some nice rainstorms coming in and and the leaves are also hitting the ground. So we've been busy with that for sure. Oh, yeah. I bet. And I know you've been busy uh, at the office meeting with a lot of folks, uh, you know, your clients and listeners who call in. So that's really good. Now, uh, we're going to talk about another topic that people uh, get confused about. There's a lot of misconceptions about and that's life insurance. And, you know, it's one of those topics that I think most people probably think they know a little bit about it or do know a little bit about it. I mean, somebody passes away and their beneficiaries receive a financial payout. And that sounds simple enough, but I know that like so many other aspects of our financial lives, if you dig below the surface, you're going to find out that it's probably more complicated than that, isn't it? Well, it is. There, there are so many things to think about with life insurance. And, you know, it's it's important to know what, what will happen if you're the beneficiary of a life insurance policy, first and foremost. And so, you know, the first thing a beneficiary should know is that they don't need a physical copy of a policy to actually make a claim, Tony. And this is especially important point because after someone you care about has died, the last thing you need is the stress of trying to track down a life insurance paperwork. I mean, after all, many people purchase a life insurance policy many years before their passing, which just increases, you know, the likelihood of a policy getting lost in the shuffle. And so if you're a beneficiary of a life insurance policy, you only need to know the name of the life insurance company that holds the policy. And from there, you can reach out to them and inform them that one of their customers has passed away. And then they will provide you with the instructions and claims forms to get things moving. Interesting. And I think that's a great 
starting point. That's a good point to start off with because I'll admit I didn't realize that. I would have expected that the beneficiary would need to have some type of documentation or the paper policy at the ready to get that process started. Well, and, and you know, while you won't need the actual policy to file a claim, you will need to provide the life insurance company with a certified copy of the policyholder's death certificate. And once you have the claim form, you should attach that death certificate form to it. Okay. And then from there, you'll be ready to submit the necessary paperwork to make your claim to the company. Yeah. And I've heard that, you know, people that handle the funeral arrangements for you, like the funeral home, they can secure certified copies of the death certificate on your behalf. It just, you know, they charge so much for each one, but you're going to need more of those than you think. So you want a few copies, right? Uh, Very good point. Yeah. And that's going to make the process a little less stressful. Yeah. And you are correct. You will need multiple copies of of those death certificates. And it's good to have people like that, you know, on your side during a traumatic time. It's just one last thing for you to have to deal with. And, um, you know, Tony, another thing that our listeners should bear in mind is that a life insurance payout is tax-free. And I'm going to repeat that life insurance benefits are tax-free for the designated beneficiary, no matter how large the payment and payout is. Um, You don't have to report life insurance proceeds as income, unless the policy was transferred to you for cash or other valuable consideration. And so um, those standards, though, don't really apply to most beneficiaries. Yeah. So uh, most, uh, most the standard life insurance payout to the beneficiary, no matter how small or large, it's tax-free. You don't have yep. to pay any taxes on that money. And I think for a lot of people out there, Nick, the idea of tax-free distributions is one of the things that makes life insurance a key part of an overall financial strategy. I mean, that you can consider both income for retirement and the legacy you'll leave behind. So you need to seriously look at that. Uh, that's got to be a, a major player for most people. Uh, they can't overlook life insurance for that very reason. So uh, what do you have for us next? Well, another potential factor that people should be aware of is that they might not get the full policy face amount. And as you probably can guess, you know, a policy's face amount is simply the number stated on the application. Let's just take a million dollars, for example. However, that face number may not be the amount available to the beneficiaries after the insured's death for for, for many reasons. Um, If the policy was a cash value life insurance policy, for instance, and the, and the policy owners, you know, took withdrawals against the cash value or loans that weren't paid back, then the life insurance company will reduce that payment amount accordingly. And, mm-hmm. and Tony, this is very common when life insurance is used as part of a retirement strategy, because um, in some policies, you know, the owner can take loans from retirement, uh, you know, d- from that policy for retirement income, for instance. Now, when that happens, it obviously and typically reduces the face amount of the policy um, when you take those types of withdrawals, like I like I just mentioned. Yeah, and I'm guessing that little wrinkle caught the attention of some of our listeners. So give us an example of that. Sure, sure. So let's say that the policy in question did have that face value of a million dollars, but the policy owner took a $50,000 loan from the cash value and did not pay it back before they passed away. Um, the life insurance company in, in, in that situation is going to pay out, um, you know, the reduced amount accordingly by $50,000 plus any interest. And mm. 
since a beneficiary may not even know about the policy, um, let alone the policy owner's actions, this might come as, as quite a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important to note. And, you know, obviously uh, you want to make sure you understand what's going on. And hopefully if you name a beneficiary, you'll explain to them that you've done it and what the policy is about uh, and vice versa, you know, as a beneficiary, definitely, hopefully, you know, what's going on, but uh, Hey, any payout at that point is probably, you know, if you're, if it's a million dollar payout minus 50,000, uh, still not a bad deal considering it's tax free. So uh, exactly, exactly. I, I wouldn't look that gift horse in the mouth, so to speak. So, um, you know, this has been a great show so far today, Nick, but our time is almost up for this first segment. We have to take a quick break. Do you have something you want to add before we take the break? You know, uh, one quick thing, you know, communication is key, as you just discussed, Tony. And so you definitely need to discuss these things with your beneficiaries before something happens. Um, And listeners, you know, I'd encourage you to visit our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com or simply give us a call at 541-773-9567 to discuss how our team might be able to help answer any questions you might have about the topic of life insurance um, or anything else that's on your mind as you prepare for your retirement. All right. Thanks so much, Nick. And listeners, we're going to be right back with more of Jones Financial Talk and our host, Nick Jones, right after this. In today's volatile environment, making sure your assets are properly aligned with your financial goals has never been more important. Money can go up or down in value, and it may pose a risk if it isn't properly managed to serve a specific purpose in a comprehensive plan. If you've ever thought that maybe too much of your assets were exposed to market risk, you owe it to yourself and your retirement to check out the Color of Money Risk Analysis. The first step is getting your assets aligned with your goals. At Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, we use the simple 11-question survey to help gain insight into your financial profile. Armed with your score, we can help you make decisions about your asset allocation in retirement. To learn more about this valuable self-assessment, visit us at jonesfinancialtalk.com or call us today at 541-773-9567. Welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. My name is Nick Jones with Jones & Associates. Listeners, if you'd like more information about what you hear during our show today, please give us a call at 541-773-9567 or simply visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Many things you can click on there, including our radio page to check out our past shows and to subscribe to our program on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Now, during the show today, we've been discussing what you should know about life insurance And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that topic right now. Yeah. And I think during the first segment, you brought up some great points. Uh, Where do you want to take us next? You know, the the next thing I think we should address, Tony, is the fact that a company will only pay the people that are listed as beneficiaries on the policy. Simply put, um, a life insurance policy is a contract and the insurance company is bound to pay only the beneficiaries that are listed on the policy. And it doesn't matter if heirs or beneficiaries are named in a will or a trust or another important document, um, the life insurance contract is going to supersede all of those documents. And so what that really means in the end is that if a person argues that they deserve money from a life insurance payout um, and and they're going to try to file a claim, 
um, their words are really meaningless unless they are specifically listed on the insurance policy. So I take it uh, the fact that uh, the life insurance policy trumps even what's stated in a will is critically important. And uh, beneficiary designations, you've mentioned those before on the show, how critical they are. I've even heard horror stories of uh, where somebody, um, you know, was in a bad marriage, got divorced, uh, really not a good separation, uh, and did it when they were young. You know, they got married too young, things like that. Uh, and then they got remarried, had a wife, kids, family, uh, and then they passed away, but they never changed the beneficiary designation on the life insurance policy. So the kids and the wife that they were with for 20 plus years never got anything, uh, but their ex got it all. You, you are right. I mean, that's why it's really important to review those beneficiary information, you know, and, 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 and paperwork, uh, at least on an annual basis, Tony. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and that's interesting. So, um, do, do, do beneficiaries have the right to know who the other beneficiaries are that are listed? You know, that's, that's a very interesting point that you make there a question you have. Um, and actually, you know, when it comes to contracts and documentation and things of that sort, you know, um, the interesting thing here is that if you're one of the beneficiaries on a life insurance policy, you actually do not have the right to know who other beneficiaries are if there's multiple uh, people that are listed. And so <clears throat> the life insurance contract is going to dictate the percentage payout to each of the named beneficiaries. And accordingly, it's possible that after you file your claim, you're going to find out that you're not just the only one, but there's multiple beneficiaries on the actual um, contract. Naturally, uh, you're going to want to know who that person is or who those other beneficiaries are. But uh, honestly, the insurance company is going to keep that data private and they're not going to let you know. Now, yeah. You know, interestingly enough, also, uh, you know, along those same lines, if you aren't the policyholder, um, you aren't going to be able to find out who the beneficiaries are uh, on somebody else's policy. Um, it's just it's just that simple. Well, that's interesting. I'm sure plenty of people have tried to figure out who else is getting a piece of the pie, so to speak, a piece of that life insurance payout. But financial data is private for a good reason. It, it is. It is. And and also, Tony, along those same lines, it's possible that you won't know if a policy in which you're a beneficiary has lapsed. Uh, it, you know, if the policy owner stopped making payments and let the policy lapse, there won't be a payout to collect. Um, you know, now, however, if the payment stopped recently because the policy owner was ill during, say, the last few months of their life, um, that you may be willing or, or you may be able, I should say, to pay back the premiums um, that were owed to the insurance company and then file your claim. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that either. So if you don't know whether or not you're a beneficiary, will the life insurance companies try to find you? Well, it depends. And, and the reason why it depends is because the life insurance company won't necessarily know if one of their customers has died either. Um, I mean, therefore, if you know that you're a beneficiary, you should let the company know that the policy owner has died. Now, yeah. you know, s some recent laws have changed um, in certain states, Tony, so that insurers are now obligated to routinely check um, for death of their policy holders. And they typically do this by checking their policy owners, you know, against a government database of deaths that have occurred recently. 
Well, and one of the things I'm curious about is how that actual payout works. I mean, <laughs> will it, will it, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are asking that. Will a check arrive in the mail or is somebody going to show up at the door with a briefcase full of cash? <laughs> well, I, I can tell you this with absolute confidence that a briefcase full of cash is, is just not going to show up at your doorstep, um, <laughs> uh, especially when it comes to, to that portion of the payout. But, right. you know, um, a lump sum payment is, is, is probably the most attractive option for most people. Um, there are other options as well. Um, you know, many life insurance companies uh, can offer beneficiaries choices beyond just a lump sum payment in a check. And w- one common option is installment payments that are paid out in equal amounts during a set period for perhaps, let's say, five or 10 years. And also regular payments for the rest of your life could be another uh, option as well. Um, much like it does with an annuity, the insurance company offers these regular payments for the rest of the beneficiary's life. But one of the main differences with this with life insurance typically is that once that beneficiary dies, the payments stop. So regular payments for the rest of your life is another frequent option. Much like it does with an annuity, the insurance company offers regular payments for the rest of a beneficiary's life. But I want our listeners to be aware that once the beneficiary dies, the payments stop, regardless of whether the original death amount has been paid in full or not. Wow. And that's really good information to know. So I think here's a question a lot of our listeners are probably curious about. How long does it typically take to receive the payout if you're the beneficiary of a life insurance policy and someone passes? That's definitely a question we get uh, on a very regular basis. And um, the, the answer is once you've submitted the paperwork, uh, which is basically your claim form and, and a copy of the certified death certificate, your payout will likely happen pretty quickly. Um, in, in some cases, it could arrive in, in as little as a week. But a good rule of thumb is to expect your money to, to take about 30 days before it hits um, you know, into your mail or to your account. During the show today, you've been talking to us about what we need to know about life insurance. And it's definitely been an eye-opening chat so far. What do you have for us next? So, Tony, for our final segment today, I thought it would be good if we shifted gears just slightly and focused on some, some of the pros and the cons of purchasing life insurance. And, you know, let's, let's start by just talking about the main question, which is, you know, is life insurance a smart investment? Life insurance generally falls into two categories, and those are permanent and term. Term life insurance is, is similar to auto insurance. So you pay a certain amount each month or each year, and if something bad happens, in this case your death, a benefit is paid out. If something bad doesn't happen during the agreed upon term, then you don't receive any benefit. But you're probably glad that um, that, that something bad didn't happen. Now, conversely, permanent life insurance has an investment element that's built into it and allows the policy home. Uh, owner to build cash value. And so that cash value component may provide ways to invest and or borrow this pool of money later. Huh. Well, what what do you say about permanent life insurance? Tell us more about that. So one of the things you should consider when it comes to permanent life insurance is that you get tax deferred growth, which means you don't have to pay taxes on any of the interest or dividends or capital gains on the cash value piece of your life insurance policy until you withdraw um, the proceeds. However, certain tax benefits already exist, um, you know, with retirement accounts like IRAs, 401ks, and 403bs. 
So the point is, if you're already maxing out your contributions to those types of accounts, you may want to consider permanent life insurance options um, to defer more money. Okay. Does permanent life insurance come with any time requirements then? So, you know, you, you can keep most policies through the age of 120, which is pretty old, right, Tony? And so, um, <laughs> well, I'm not there. let's just say this, Nick, I'm not there yet. <laughs> the, the main thing that you have to keep in mind is you just have to keep up with the premiums while you're alive. So therefore, you know, permanent life insurance is sometimes touted over term insurance because you don't lose your coverage after a set number of years. Um, and listeners, you know, with a term policy, when it ends, you know, you reach the end of the, it ends when you reach the end of the term, I should say, uh, which for many people is sometime in their 60s. But if you live to 120, you really probably don't need a death benefit in that situation. And so, you know, in many cases, the people you originally bought the policy to protect, your spouse, for instance, or your children, for example, you know, will either already be self-sufficient at that time, um, you know, w when you pass away. However, you know, if you anticipate that the people will be financially dependent on you beyond the common length of a term policy, say 10, 15, 20 years, this benefit of permanent insurance might hold some real, real appeal to you. Well, I'm glad you explained that distinction. That really helps. Uh, I think this is a good discussion, Nick. What do you have for us next? So another thing, Tony, I wanted to mention about permanent life insurance is that some people find, um, you know, it to be positive. Um, the, when you can often, you know, do things like borrow against the policy's cash value. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and so, but on the other hand, if you put money in a 401k or similar product, you want to take that money out for something, you know, th that you've set that up for like retirement specifically, because if you don't, then you're going to pay some penalties right now. Be aware though, that, um, it may not be a wise move to dip into your retirement savings for anything other than your actual retirement. Okay. So additionally, when you borrow money from permanent life insurance policies, you know, interest will accrue until that money is repaid. Um, these are policy loans. They, they're often tax free in this case, but l l like we talked about before, they can reduce that, that, uh, benefit down the death benefit down. Hmm. Okay. Uh, can you give us an example? Um, maybe walk us through some of the pros and cons of term life insurance. Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. And, you know, um, when you buy a term policy, your premiums um, go to secure a death benefit for your beneficiaries. Simple as that. So term life insurance, unlike permanent life insurance, doesn't have any cash value and therefore doesn't have any investment component. If you're still alive when the term ends, the policy lapses and you and your beneficiaries don't receive any money. Um, but I like to think, you know, it's important to remember that when it comes to term life insurance, you're paying a fairly small premium in exchange for the knowledge that if you should die, you know, the people that you love and care about will receive um, potentially a very sizable death benefit, like we talked about before, that is tax-free. Well, I like the sound of tax-free. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep talking about that all day long. Can you give us an example of term life insurance? Sure. So, a non-smoking 30-year-old woman in excellent health may be able to get a 20-year term policy with a death benefit of a million dollars for around $500 a year. And if this person were to die at age 49, let's say, after paying 19 years into the policy of premiums, 
their beneficiaries would receive a million dollars tax-free, even though she only paid about $9,000 in premiums. Wow. That sounds pretty good, right? right. Um, so term life insurance may prove to be an excellent investment should your beneficiaries ever have a use for it. Of course, if you're in the majority of, uh, of people whose beneficiaries ne- never file a claim, it will have been a negative return on your investment, at least you know when you think about it strictly in financial terms. But, uh, you know, as we've discussed, uh, you know, multiple times on the show so far, um, you know, how much is your peace of mind worth? That's true. Yeah. The sleep well at night plan, the swan plan. It's worth it. Peace of mind, sleeping well at night, not having to worry. Um, give us an example then of permanent life. And that was term. Give us an example of permanent life insurance. Sure. So using the same scenario and, and uh, you know, the woman from our pr- previous example, uh, if she'd have purchased a million dollar whole life insurance policy from the same company, she'd pay about $9,000 annually. Okay. Um, but what would that extra cost actually equate to in cash value is the real question. So after five years, the policy's guaranteed cash value would be around $20,000. Um, with about $47,000 paid in premiums, let's say. After 10 years, the cash value would be just over $65,000 with $94,000 paid in premium. Then after 20 years, the guaranteed cash value would be $182,000 with $187,000 paid in premiums. So the downside to that, the same money invested in a way that allows for market return could grow faster. Okay, and so talking to a financial services professional can help you determine which options fit your retirement strategy and legacy goals, and if it makes sense to think about owning some kind of permanent life insurance. Well, I think that sounds great, and this has been a really good discussion. Uh, You've broken it down well for us, talking about the different types of life insurance uh, and some of the uh, pros of life insurance, what to look out for. Uh, another great episode, Nick. We're almost out of time. Is there anything else you want to add before we have to go today? Well, sure. You know, listeners, if you have any questions about your financial strategy, I would just really encourage you to visit our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com or give us a call at 541-773-9567 to discuss how our team might be able to help answer any questions and address any of your concerns uh, during your financial Uh, goals and and, and planning time, and also through your retirement time. All right. Hey, that sounds good. And wow, what a great show today, Nick. I'm glad you broke it down. You've tackled a couple of really tough topics the last couple of weeks, uh, but it's very helpful to understand these things. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Jones Financial Talk with our host, Nick Jones. Thank you for listening to Jones Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Nick Jones at Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Call 541-773-9567 or visit their website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. 
fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, a registered investment advisor in the state of Oregon. Insurance products and services are offered through Jones & Associates Premier Insurance Solutions. Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions and Jones & Associates Premier Insurance Solutions are affiliated companies. Nick Jones, Herstel Jones, and Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.